0: Well, as I mentioned at the start of the service, today we're celebrating All Saints. Um, All Saints was actually officially on Friday, but it's one of these feasts in the church that we transfer to the next Sunday. So we get a, so, so I mean, the whole weekend is All Saints, is the way I'm seeing it. And um, today I want to talk about, um, we're talking about the power of the saints today. And I, when we hear the power of the saints, um, I don't want you to think about, some of y'all will know this uh, ritual that some people have. Um, of buying a figurine of St. Joseph and burying him upside down in their front yard, because that's going to help you sell your house. We're not talking about that kind of power. That's a whole nother sermon that we can um, evaluate that whole deal. What I want to do is talk about the power of the saints in helping us in our spiritual lives, like what they do for us in our spiritual lives and where we go with that. And what I want to do first is uh, give just a little bit of historical context about where this feast came from and in turn to look at, uh, what these saints do for us in terms of the power of, in our spiritual lives. And the first thing, just give a little bit of historical context to it. Um, scholars tell us that all saints began like the feast itself began in Ireland, spread to England, then went to the continent. And what we know is that by the ninth century, that it's in Rome with Pope Gregory the fourth asking the Holy Roman emperor to make it a festival throughout the entire Holy Roman Empire. That's by the ninth century. But there were parts of it or streams of it that existed before that. Um, It was was kind of interesting to see how early it starts. Before the year 270, we've got some of the early folks in the church writing about having a day for the martyrs. And then later in um, uh, St. John Chrysostom is preaching and talking about a day of the martyrs. Um, as early as the late 4th century, early 5th century kind of time frame where he is. So so it's existed this way. We get this date of November 1st. And at this point, you may know that another name for all saints is uh, is All Hallows Day or Hallows Day. And that's where we get the Eve before being Hallows Eve, Halloween. You get it. So where we go with that. But November 1st came about because the same pope I mentioned, Gregory the IV, uh, on November 1st, back in the ninth century, dedicated an altar at St. Peter's Basilica that was called the All Saints Altar. And that date, November 1st, then spread throughout the church. So the whole western side of the church who celebrate this feast do it on November 1st. A little trivia, has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon, but the eastern church celebrates it also, but they do it on the Sunday after Pentecost. So a little bit of variation between the, the east and the west on the churches. That's a bit of historical context, just to, just to place it. But what I really want to do, as I said earlier, is just talk about what do the saints do for us in our spiritual walk, sort of at a practical level? What, what do we do with all this? And in doing that, what I'd like to do, some of this may be a little bit different than you normally would hear, but I want to ask, who do we celebrate today? And use that as a way to talk about where's the power of the saints. And the very first category that I would give for the saints that we talk about are what I'm going to call the shiny saints. These are the hero saints. These are the many ones that we oftentimes hear about that are labeled saints and, 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 um, are held up as these great examples. The Roman Catholic church, which has this extreme mechanism for making saints. They have over 10,000 saints that they recognize, right? And the Anglicans, it's a lot more complicated to figure out who we're going to regard as saints and who we're not going to regard as saints. And, um, again, that's a little bit of another discussion, but we'll just kind of flow with it for now. But, there are more than these ten thousand, and these shiny saints are the ones I think we sometimes think about. You know, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and you know maybe Saint Paul. And you think about all the famous saints that you like. You know, certainly the revelers down on Lower Greenville in March want to hold up Saint Patrick. But we think about all these different kinds of saints, and then you get into this whole notion of patron saints, which is a little bit difficult to explain where it came from, but. As relics came throughout medieval times, um, oftentimes different cities would say they had a particular saint associated with their city, and that because of that, that saint was going to pray for them more, um, and then somewhere along the way it became particular hobbies and particular causes and particular peoples, and now there's all these patrons. It's almost funny to, to look at some of these, so I was, I was looking at just a few this week. Um, St. Giles, I mean, unless you worry that there's something left out here, he's the patron saint of breastfeeding, or uh, Saint Polycarp of Smyrna, who is the patron saint of dysentery. So, you know, if, you're, if, you're having that, if you're having that issue, or Saint um, Drago, Drago Drago, however you pronounce it, who is the patron saint of unattractive people. So I've started asking him to pray for me a little bit on that, <laughs> but they, there are all kinds of these things. We, I'm not going to go into trying to make, sort that out what, the, what all the patron saints are. But, but I think these shiny saints do have power for us as we in our spiritual lives, because in some way or some fashion, these are saints who've embodied the gospel in their age. They've made tangible the gospel in different environments and in different kinds of ways. And they stand they stand as examples that I think will ultimately inspire us and challenge us to reflect on where we are in our surrender and commitment to Christ. And there are lots of examples. I've I've used this example so much, I, I'm not even able to use it anymore, but I love Maximilian Colby. He's one of my favorite saints and people have heard me for a while know, know that. If you don't know Maximilian Colby, go look him up on Wikipedia because he's fantastic. And if you go look at the back of Westminster Abbey, next time you're in London, you'll see that. He's even though he's he was a Roman Catholic priest, he's put up as an effigy on the back of Westminster Abbey, along with Oscar Romeo, another Catholic put up there and Martin Luther King. You can start thinking about some of the people back there. But the one the second favorite one that I really love is for these shiny saints um, is Jonathan Daniels. And maybe for a lot of reasons, I think those of us who've been to seminary love this guy because he's an example. But he was a seminarian back in the 60s and um, he was in seminary in the Boston area in Cambridge, and he heard Martin Luther Jr.'s call to go to Alabama to help out. And he went down there with a friend that was supposed to be just a weekend. They were going to go down for like a weekend, and he ended up going deep with it and making arrangements to stay a semester, and then I think he stayed the entire school year. And it all came around all the way to the next summer, and, um, and he was doing all the things that Dr. King was asking them to do and helping and doing different things with all the racial issues going on and, and with civil rights at the time. But on August 14th of 1965, he went and um, he, right before that, he had been protesting with a group of people at a whites only restaurant. And well, trivia, they were hauled to jail in a trash truck. And then they were thrown in jail. And six days later, they, they got released. And there were four of them that decided they were gonna walk next door to a country store to get a soft drink. It was Jonathan Daniels, who was a seminarian. There was a white Roman Catholic priest, and then there were two African-Americans, and they all headed to this store. When they got to the store, there was uh, a white guy at the door with a shotgun. And um, things happened very, very quick, but he lowered his gun to shoot at one of the African-American girls. And Jonathan Daniels' response was to throw her to the ground and jumped in front of her. And he took the full load of, the fir- of that first shot. Um, he died on the scene. This guy at the door chased the Roman Catholic priest and shot him in the back. But he lived. And the two girls, um, they lived. And I hear that story. And to me, he's one of these shiny saints to me. because he, he, I've heard one of the definitions of a saint is a saint is somebody who helps you, makes it easier for you to believe in God. He's one of these people, his commitment and his example makes it easier for me to believe in God and also just is inspiring to the faith. And it also at the same time asks questions. You know, I think to myself, would I've been willing to give up a semester of seminary because I had my path in my career that I'm, you know, staking out or whatever it is. He gave up that whole year. And would I be willing to die for somebody that wasn't part of my nuclear family for justice all these are so. I think these kind of shiny saints oftentimes inspire us, and they all, they ask us through their lives some hard questions about where we are in our surrender, where we are in our relationship with Christ. So that's you know I think those we hold, I think those those are the ones we usually think about, right? But today is we're celebrating All Saints, and I want to underscore all for a minute because I want to spend the next bit looking at a couple categories that are going to go into the all bit. I think there's a whole nother division. I'm making this up. So just know that, right? I think there's a whole nother division that I'm calling the unshiny saints. I mean, they're saints, but they're not shiny, right? And you, and the Bible is full of this. And I think, you know, while the shiny saints, their power to us, I think is to ask these questions and inspire us. I think the unshiny saints are saints who teach us that God uses broken people. And if we're honest, we're all broken people at some level, right? I mean, even the shiny saints actually are, but these are ones that there's nowhere to hide their brokenness, right? I think about a story that I read about one of the, um, allegedly one of the best preachers of the 19th century was a Scottish Presbyterian um, whose name was Alexander White. And he was in a congregation for 40 years. And his biographer tells the story that um, after he'd been there a long time, he had this woman who came to him and said, you know, pastor, we, I love being in your presence because you're so saintly. And he answered her back and said, if you could see my soul, you would spit in my face. But this idea that, that there are lots of broken saints. I mean, everybody is broken at some level, but again, some don't hide it, don't want to hide it and are honest about it, you know, and there, and the Bible, I think God gives us loads of examples to teach us this, right? And from, you can read the Bible cover to cover, you will see example after example, after example of these kinds of saints. I mean, you think about we talk about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You think about Jacob basically stealing the birthright of his brother. That's where we're going to start early, in the early chapters, right? Or David who's going to be held up as this great person in the Bible and saint who writes all of our psalms and does all these things, but he's an adulterer and a murderer. And he's got nowhere to hide on it. You know, or we think you know we can keep going from there, Peter who denies Jesus 3 times. Or we think about Samson who can't let go of his womanizing and it brings him down. But he ultimately his final acts in life are his efforts to try to honor God or, you know, or Martin Luther King Jr. That I mentioned a few minutes ago has all these allegations about extramarital things. You know, people are broken this way. People are broken, but still God uses them. Nobody should ever hear or say or think I'm not worthy. I'm not, I can't do this because I've got that secret thing. Nobody knows about or whatever the thing is because God uses broken people. God uses broken people. That's what grace is about. He welcomes us and embraces us. We got to hold up the things that God wants that will help us to live lives that, that will flourish. So I'm not saying blow off the things we do that are wrong. I'm just saying, I guess what I really want to do is take a swing at our culture today. That's got this cancel you notion, right? Because I think Christians are at a place now where we're going to have to start standing up to say, yeah, you're not canceled because of that. You know, it may be wrong. You may need to go to the penalty box or whatever. But but to tell somebody they're canceled, nobody's perfect. We're nobody's perfect. That is part of what Scripture teaches us. No one's perfect. Right. God is not going to throw you away because you mess up. There is grace and his mercy and his love. And that is a constant, consistent message of the church. And I think there's a whole group of saints who live that out and embody that for us. I I could give modern examples, but I think, I think that's enough. And I think about when I first started telling some of my friends that I thought I was called to go to seminary, I had one good friend who said, yeah, I don't, I don't see that in you. I don't think you're, I don't think you're, um... (laughs) and they may be right, but I I like Luckily there's some grace, but you know that, that, you know, that it's, you know, so we go on with that. So that's the second category, the sort of the unshiny saints. But I think also we think about the power of that, but we also think about how on all saints that it's also us, right? That it's also us. And you can think about, um, how the main Greek word that's used for this in the new Testament I think is how it's said. I don't know how to pronounce Greek very well, but the, uh, but it's a word that really means set aside, separated, sanctified is really what the word saint means. And so really when we talk about saints in the new Testament, we're talking about people who've answered the call to say, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be set aside. I'm trying, I may mess it up, but my call and my path is to try to work for God's kingdom purposes. I'm being set. That's what a saints are. And that is something that would include all of us. And you go look at the people in the New Testament, it's people who are going to worship God and try to serve him. So part of what we're doing today on all saints and the power of all saints is for us to gather sort of as a team and a rally cry to say, we're all called to be saints in this way. We're all called to lean in to our baptismal vows of, of treating the world differently of seeing the dignity of everyone and working against for all these different things. Go read those vows again that we do. Right. Well, the, the, the final thing that I want to mention today is I'm not going to get into all the blurring and complications of all saints versus all souls day and all this. I'll let Eric or, or Tim or one of the smart guys in the back explain those differences to you and how we sort through all that. But I do think there's an element of all saints where we remember those of us who've gone before us in faith. Right. And we remember our sense, our connection to them and we think about their own testimony to to God's love that they um, had in their own lives. It's part of what we do today. And we remember them. And tonight, if you want to come back, they'll read all the people who died in our parish and what have you tonight at the at the service at 530. But part of what we do is remember all these different people. And I want to give you a, a thought um, along this lines of what happens up here in a few minutes when Father Eric comes up and we, we do the Eucharist because... The Eucharist is really mystical and has all these dimensions. But sometimes people will talk about how in receiving this we're connected with Christ, but we talk about how we're gathering on this table with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. And there's this sense that there's this vertical piece that all of the people who have gone before us who are in Christ are also present in this worship and who in some sense are united with us as we partake of the sacrament. That's a profound mystery to, to think about. But I had an old priest friend of mine whose dad had died when he was young, who used to always say he felt closest to his dad after his dad had passed away at the Eucharist for that reason, because he knew his dad was worshiping and holding on to Christ and connected to him that way. But lots to think about. So there's, so there's lots of power on this day. So I, I want to leave you with lots of different things to think about at lunch and throughout the different week. Consider how the shiny saints give us power to be inspired and to reflect on who we are and where we are in Christ and our own surrender and our own following, how the unshiny saints give us power to remember that we're not, we're never throwaway people. God is always on the cross for us, wherever we've been, whatever we do, and he's not done with you ever. And it's a, it's a lie that we need to stand up to that people are canceled. There's no such thing as cancel me society for Christians. And I think for all the third thing is the power of realizing we're a team help one another to lean into the call that Christ placed on our lives. And the final thing is the power of those who've gone before us, their testimony and their connection with us even now as we live. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you call us and that you give us this love letter in the Bible that teaches us about those who've gone before us in faith. And you give us the witness of the saints through the ages, Lord, in our own age, help us to embody the gospel, help us to work for your kingdom.